0: Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's word. Matthew chapter 24 and... And then also we're going to go into Acts chapter 2 later. So hold your finger in Acts chapter 2, but we're going to start in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, with a series today called Pay Attention. Pay Attention. And I've been kind of promoting this series, and we don't do a lot of promoting, you know, uh, in, in too far in advance. Um, but this one I have because I think it is so relevant, so important uh, to what is going on in the world today. So we're actually going to start by reading Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with us. If you have a phone or you have your tablet, you can follow along with us. We will put the words on the screen. If you're new to the church, you can follow along that way as well. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says this, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40 says, Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. It says this, and, and we could just stop right there. And it goes on to say, be ready and, and stuff like that. And, and these particular portion of scriptures have always been fascinating to me because it really surrounds my salvation. Uh, I got saved at the age of eight uh, I was it, was, it was the 70s. Anybody remember the 70s? Uh, remember the 70s? There was these movies that came out that churches started to promote, uh, and one was called A Thief in the Night, and then it became a series. A Thief in the Night, you could not find a more corny, uh, really terrible acting, uh, just bad script, everything. You could not find a worse movie in the world and, but, but it had a single truth, and the single truth was that Jesus was returning. So forget the acting, forget the script, forget all the other things, the, the, the lack thereof, and just understand that truth. Jesus is returning. So I remember as we went through this series, and I don't know if you should ever show an eight-year-old uh, this kind of movie, but I, I remember watching it on a Sunday night at church. And I remember that night I went home and in the middle of the night I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, if you are real, I want to ask you to come into my heart. Why? Because I did not want to go to hell. (laughs) I did not want to miss the rapture. I didn't want to have, I remember they showed pictures of people with boils on their face. I didn't want the mark of the beast. I didn't want any of that stuff. So I wanted Jesus right then and there. Okay? And so... That's what got me saved. I knew right then that Jesus was coming back at some point. And it said this, uh, you know, you don't know the day or the hour. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking and he said, hey, listen, as it was in the days of Noah. In other words, this, people were not paying attention. And more than anything else, I want you to get this because we're going to do this series over the next couple weeks and, and, and this phrase just kept coming back to my, my heart and my spirit and it's the phrase, pay attention, pay attention. Listen, more than one voice is being lifted up talking about what's happening in our world today. Not just one or two people here and there, many voices are being lifted up concerning events that are taking place this month, really even starting today, but going on more so maybe towards the end of the month. Events that are happening here in America, around the world, concerning different world events, concerning different things and dates and calendars, events that are taking place this month that have caught the attention of many in America, have caught my attention, and whether they talk about, hey, 23 events or 13, I saw one, it was 12 events. I saw another, it was over 30 events. Regardless of where you sit and where you stand on those particular events, it just kind of reminds me that we need to pay attention to what is happening. We need to pay attention. Now, if you were to ask me this question, if you were to say, Pastor, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? In our generation? In other words, is this the last generation before the coming of the Lord? I have a very simple answer to that question. It it is the last generation for you. You only get one shot, you're not coming back, you only get so many years. So regardless of whether or not in our lifetime Jesus returns, and, and even all the studying that I've done, nobody's really predicting that Jesus is coming back in September. I haven't seen any date setting, thankfully, because we just read that nobody knows the hour or the date. Okay, So if you see a date set, if you see something like that, that's pretty much a guarantee that that person is, is off, off by a lot. So we're not, we're not setting dates. We're not predicting anything like that. We're just simply saying that things are happening around the world that we need to pay attention to. And regardless of whether or not Jesus comes back in our lifetime, the truth of it is this. We only have one life to live, and life is fragile. Life is short. In fact, the book of James says it kind of like this. It says, hey, come now, you who say tomorrow, or today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, or spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Verse 14 says this, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appears from for a little time, and then vanishes away. In other words, life is short. Life is just short. Life is fragile. Listen, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what next week brings. You don't know if you'll be here, or I'll be here next month, next year. Life is fragile. It's like a vapor. It is just here one moment, and it is gone the next. And we have got to pay attention, not just to the things that are happening around us, but also to our own lives. And so we'll talk about that over the next couple weeks. But it was just this phrase that kept going off inside of me. Pay attention. Pay attention. However, when it comes to the return of our Lord, and when it comes to the rapture, the scripture is not completely silent on it. In fact, there are many prophecies and different things that take place in the Word of God that we can look at They're called signs of the times. They're called things that we should notice. They're called uh, Jesus even saying, hey, in the last days it will be like this, like this. So I want to give you this this morning. I want to give you three things that we're going to talk about over the next coming weeks that we need to pay attention to that are happening in our world. That some have started, some have been taking place already because they're gradual, but other things are about to take place. And I think even this month, things are going to happen that we really need to pay attention to concerning three different things. The first one is this. I think there'll be a a, a great falling away. Number one, there'll be a great falling away. Number two, we have to pay attention to, and this perhaps maybe more than anything, is the abandonment of, of Israel, abandoning Israel. The United States has always stood with Israel, but now we see different events, and we're going to talk about this more in detail next week, of what is happening with our nation and politicians who are abandoning the covenant, the relationship that we have with Israel. And then the third thing is this, the moral decay that is taking place in our, in our country, in our world, but not just in our country, in the world, churches included in that. So there'll be a great falling away. People will begin to abandon. And you just saw in the video, you just saw in the video, 75% of young people who leave a Christian home where mom and dad believed the word of God, taught the word of God, brought their children to church, children were raised in church, children attended youth group, 75%, three out of four Go off to college and walk away from the church and don't return. That's an amazing statistic. I have close friends, not college age, but close friends of of all different ages who have walked away from the church. People who, who at one time were very faithful, very committed, ministered. In fact, people in the ministry in the ministry, walking away from church, walking away from their faith. In First Timothy, Paul warned, and he said this, now the Spirit expressly says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Just a few years ago, there was a pastor in Michigan who... Came out with a very popular book that was given a lot of attention, both in the church world and outside the church world. And basically, he talked in this book about the doctrine of heaven and hell. And in the book, he completely erased the doctrine of hell. In other words, he said, We all go to heaven. And the title of the book is called Love Wins. We all win. Everybody goes to heaven. Love wins. It became a bestseller. And his church isn't a church of 300 or 500 or 1,000. There's 10,000 people attending his church on a weekly basis. And here he is erasing a complete doctrine, the doctrine of hell. And so he was celebrated by many people in the liberal and, and ungodly circles. Oprah Winfrey had him on. And of course, she has to talk to him about, well, what do you think about same-sex marriage? And here's what he said concerning same-sex marriage. The same pastor of 10,000 people said this concerning churches that do not support gay marriage. Here's his quote. I think culture is already there and the church will continue to be even more relevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. Let me read that to you one more time concerning same-sex marriage and churches that don't support gay marriage. I think culture is already there, in other words, supporting it. And the church will continue to be even more relevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. What he's basically saying is the word of God is irrelevant. The word of God is no longer true. The word of God has been passed over. Culture has moved on. We have to move on with it. We have to take the word of God and say, hey, if that's an old book, it's 2,000 years old, it can't be relevant today. I'm here to tell you that this book is just as relevant today as the day it was written. It was just as relevant today as the day the Holy Spirit first inspired all of the writers. This book is true. It is always true. It is our moral compass, our moral foundation. It is where we find right and wrong. It is where we find good and evil. It's where we find truth. It is God's Word. It's not irrelevant. I don't care when it was written, the Holy Spirit still moves through these words. Amen? And so listen, here's a whole church and other churches aligning with Him, erasing a major doctrine of hell and supporting an ungodly agenda. Whole denominations have come out in support of same-sex marriage. Currently, in America, I should say in North America, there are 35 denominations that support same-sex marriage, including two that are mainline, the Presbyterians and the Episcopals. But it's not just that particular doctrine or belief. Atheism is on the rise. Listen to this study. I find this unbelievable. From 2007 to 2014, atheism rose six percentage points. Six percentage points. In other words, atheism is on the rise. People who have no affiliation with God, no connection, people who say He doesn't exist, they identify themselves as as atheists, they have no belief in God whatsoever. They're growing in numbers. They're growing. This is why it's so important for us to understand truth. This is why it's so important for us to get it into the hearts and minds of our teenagers and our young people and understand what truth is. And we need to know it ourselves because, listen, it's on the rise. It's on the rise. And you know where it's rising the most? Among young people. Young people are the fastest growing segment of atheists. And and Islam, and we see what's happening with Islam around the world. And I read this this week, and I almost couldn't believe this one as well. Do you know that Islam is currently the only religion in the world that is keeping up with the birth rate? It is the only religion in the world that is growing as fast as the birth rate. Every other religion, Christianity included, is not keeping up with the birth rate. In other words, we're, we're losing. We're, we're missing out. The birth, People are are being born faster than we can reach anybody, and so, but but Islam is—it's growing that fast, and it's on and on and all these different statistics. I could just go on and on. But the real alarming fact for me is that the people who have walked away from the church, because Paul warned Timothy and said there will be a great falling away with the rise of the internet and blogs and different articles with Facebook and all the different connections that are being made. Listen, everyone's a theologian now. Everyone's an expert. And nobody wants to be told what to do or, or how to do it. Nobody wants to sit at anybody's feet and say, hey, could you mentor me? Could you talk to me? Could you tell me some things that maybe I don't know? No, everybody is, is smarter than everybody else. And nobody wants to ever be said, hey, could, could you just teach me? Listen, everyone's a theologian. Never before in the history of our country, in the United States of America, have we seen less people attend church. And do you know the most unchurched county in America It just came out? Guess which county is the most unchurched county in America, according to statistics? Palm Beach County. Can you believe that? We're right in the middle of it. And because people no longer think they need church, they no longer think, hey, I have to connect or I have to belong. They no longer think, hey, I need to go and I need to learn, I need to sit and I need to discover, I need to be taught, I need a pastor, I need accountability. People no longer think that anymore. So they walk away from the church say, hey, I no longer need the church. Listen, I'm a pastor, but but I still have to be pastored. I still have to be mentored. Every Tuesday morning I go and I sit down with somebody who's way smarter than me every Tuesday morning. And I just let them talk to me and I just let them mentor me and I let them ask me tough questions and I just let them keep me accountable. And we talk about life and marriage and family and all these different things. Every Tuesday morning I still do that. Every week I still go and I still say, hey, I still need somebody to speak into my life. But it's so easy to disconnect. And throughout this series, I want to give you a to-do list. I want to just give you something, and you can take it or leave it, but it's just something that I think each one of us should do concerning the events that are taking place in our world. And we'll talk about Israel, and we're going to talk about the moral... Decline, and we're going to talk about the different events that are taking place with the United Nations and Israel and this Iran deal in Israel, and we're going to talk about all those things because all those things are so relevant and so important to what is taking place in our world. But the first thing I want to talk to you about and the first thing I want to tell you is on the to-do list is this. Number one, I encourage you, move away from isolation. Just move away from it. Because in these last days, and I believe we are in the last days, we're going to need each other more than we ever have before. Listen to this scripture, and you've probably heard it before, but let's really take a look, especially some of the last words. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Listen to verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Listen to this phrase. And so much the more as you see the day approaching the writer of Hebrews, which many believe is Paul, he says this, hey, when you see the last days setting in, when you start to see all these different signs taking place, and we can see all these different events that are taking place, and you say, Pastor, hasn't there been events before? Yes, but not on this magnitude, not this many at the exact same time. Has it ever happened in our history? He says, when you see this taking place, don't forsake getting together. You're going to need each other. You're going to need to connect with each other. Listen, persecution is going to rise. Difficulty is going to rise. It's going to be more difficult to be a Christian. We're trying to even figure out now as a church, church policy, what do we do when they come knocking on our door saying you have to marry such and such, you have to do such and such, you have to perform such and such. How do we handle this? Because listen, one day they're going to knock on the door. So we're trying to figure out how do we handle that even now before it ever happens. 30 years ago you would have never thought it. many of you who grew up in a a different time and, 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 and really a different America, you'd never thought you'd see this day, but here we are. So what do we do? And Paul says when you see the day approaching, when you see that day, get together, connect, do not isolate yourself. He said there are some who are going to isolate themselves. There are some who are going to disconnect. There are some who are going to stop attending. There are gonna, some who are just going to just be by themselves. And, and he says that's dangerous. Don't do it. Stay connected. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says this. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment." See, it's just so easy to live our lives by ourselves or just have us, our little, our little family, and, and just, it's just so easy. I know what it's like. Listen, I live in a gated community. Nobody can just knock on our door. Nobody gets to knock on our door. Somebody knocks on a door, it freaks us out. What in the world? Who's at the door? Somebody's at the door. Nobody can be at our door. We don't allow anybody at our door. Who's at the door? You know? Oh, it's Elias. Okay, he's outside. I guess we should let him in. you know, it's just one of those things. We're just like, why is somebody at the door? We have garage door opener. My gift to my spouse is a semi-clean garage. And so we just pull right in, and then what do you do? You just shut the garage door, the door closes, and you just isolate yourself from the world. It's so easy to do that. We've gotten to know neighbors on one side, thankfully, and talk to them, and... You know, we see them and you have to communicate. We're trying to get to know the neighbors on the other side. They don't really give us the time of day. Cynthia must have done something. I don't know what she did. She must have offended them somehow because we can't reach them. But we're reaching these others. We're trying to talk to these others. It's just so easy to isolate yourself. You sit behind a computer. You connect with wires and and the Internet instead of face-to-face. And the reason is, is because this it says the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. In other words, he does not want to be told, hey, you ought not to do that. He does not want to be told, hey, you know what? You should do this. The man who isolates himself doesn't want anybody telling him what he should and should not do. He seeks his own desire. And if you go back to Hebrews and you really study out what Paul is saying in Hebrews, when he says this, and consider one another to stir up, that word actually means, and you can see it in the Amplified version, because the Amplified brings this out, it actually means to warn one another. To warn one another. To talk to one another. To say, hey, you know what? We we should live this way. We should live holy. We should live pure. We should not live this way. And that's why nobody wants to be accountable anymore. Let me ask everyone in this room this. Hey, listen, who's asking you tough questions? Who's asking you the tough questions? Who's wondering what what it's like in the home? Who's who's asking you difficult things? You see what I'm saying? I remember one of my favorite stories of of a guy that's in our church that a very good friend of mine, he leads a small group, and and he was saying that they were leading a small, he was meeting in a small group for men. And in this particular small group, one of the men had had an affair and they were working with him and his marriage was being restored and and everything was going well. He had repented, he had confessed and he was working towards a a marriage and, and restoring his marriage, but he kept the phone number for the lady that he had had an affair with, he kept the phone number in his wallet. This is before cell phones came out. Just kept the phone number in his wallet. And so he told the guys this, and they said, what in the world are you doing with that phone number? And he said, well, I have no intention to call it. I just, I just, I don't know. I just kind of keep it. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just kind of keep that phone number, and I just have it with me at all times, you know? But I haven't called it. I'm not going to call it. Hey, I'm done. We've cut off the relationship. It's over. And so the guy said, okay, we're here. Let me see it for just a moment so he kind of reluctantly takes it out of his wallet and he's just kind of holding it in his hand and they said yeah yeah let me see it let me just hold, the, let me just hold that piece of paper for a moment so he hands that piece of paper to his friend and they just rip it into shreds that was it Listen, that's what the Bible means by provoking one another, warning one another, stirring up one another, encouraging one another, saying, listen, you don't need this anymore. You don't have to live this way anymore. You don't need this phone number anymore. You need to be faithful. You need to be committed. You need to be a different kind of husband. And listen, he was glad they did it. He just couldn't find the courage to do it himself. That's the importance of meeting together. And when we don't have that, when we don't have these kind of men in our lives, when we don't have these kind of ladies in our lives, it's just too easy to begin to slip away. Listen, I can't pastor a church full of people, effectively. I, I just can't. The church is growing. Thank God we're so, we're so grateful for encouraging numbers. But listen, I can't pastor each one of you. I can't, I can't sit down with each one of you. I can't disciple everybody in this room. It just, it just can't happen. I could try to shake as many hands as I can, and I love people, and I love, you know, talking to people, and I'm just a people person. But listen, the best way for you to be discipled and connected is to find yourself somewhere, somehow, with a, a smaller group of individuals just encouraging one another. It's the best way. In the Word of God over and over, it says this phrase, one another, one another, one another. One another. It says this, serve one another, build up one another, care for one another, love one another, encourage one another, and then this one, listen to this one, confess your faults. To who? The pastor, the priest? Confess your faults to one another, it says. That's what God has called us to do, to live in this kind of community, to live with one another in mind. I want to finish in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 tells the story of the early church. And I love this because people, you know, say, well, pastor, I, I, you know, I attend church, I do this and this, and church attendance is, of course, for me, the 11th commandment as a pastor. You know that. But there's so much more to it than that. It says in verse 46, of Acts chapter 2, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let me read this again, the very first part. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, daily in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. Now, how many people could fit in the temple? I mean, how many people could fit in the temple? Well, if you study out the way the temple was made, and you look at the courtyard area, because remember, they were not allowed to go into the temple... But they met daily on the outskirts of the temple. The outskirts of the temple was huge. It was a huge area. You could have fit 500, 600, 800, easily, maybe even 1,000 people outside on the outer gates of the temple. So that's a large group setting. People coming together in a large group format. But then it also says this. They, They also met. That's the large group format. But then it says they also met in a smaller format. They also met daily from house to house. Well, how many could fit in a house? Well, maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 people. That's really too many for a small group, but maybe 10, 15, maybe five. Maybe, maybe six, eight, I don't know. But daily they met in the large format, and then they also met in a smaller format. Breaking bread, they had food. Praise God, they had food, okay? They ate. So they ate food, they they met in the temple, but they also met in houses. They met for the purpose of encouraging one another. It says earlier they would find needs and they would just find creative ways to meet those needs. Oh, you have a need? Let me sell something so that I can meet that need. Let me give towards your need. Something going on in your life? Let me help you. Let me provide for you. Let me do something. Listen, that's what community is. That's what God's called us to do. And listen to me very carefully. In the last days, we're going to need that more and more. In the last days, that's going to be not just a luxury or or an option. It is going to be a necessity. We're going to have to move away from isolation. You have to connect with somebody. You have to be accountable to somebody. Somebody in your life should be asking you tough questions. And listen, that's not what our small groups are about. They're not about interrogation. They're simply about encouraging, and you probably won't find a lot of people, you know, asking too many tough questions, but maybe in that group you'll find somebody that you can connect with. I don't meet in a small group format for people to ask me tough questions. I just meet with one person. Let them. Listen, somebody way smarter than me, way more educated than me, way more experienced in life than me, I'm not the smartest man in the room. I I realize that, so I want to find somebody who's smarter than me, more educated, been there uh, with life, you know, has more experience than me, and just let them talk to me, and I just ask questions, and they give me answers. That's what I want in my life. That's what I found in my life, and so listen, I encourage everybody to find that. One of the best places you'll find it is in the small group format. Absolutely, you could find it in church here. However you find it, you need to find it. And we're going to need that more and more. Here's what the writer of Hebrews, which we believe Paul was saying. Do not forsake assembling together. It's too easy to miss a week, miss two weeks. Nobody knows you're gone. Nobody's checked on you because nobody even knows you're missing. But when you're in a small group, you're connected with somebody, when you're in a relationship with somebody, when you've invited somebody over your house and said, hey, let's, let's eat together, let's get together, hey, let's talk about life, let's, what, you know, what do you think about this and what's going on in your life, when you connect with people that way, guess what? When you miss, when you begin to see that slide, when you begin to, 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 to disconnect, when you begin to fall away, somebody is right there to say, don't do it. Stay connected. Be the man of God you need to be. Be the husband you need to be. Be the father you need to be. Be the mother. Be the wife. Be the woman of God you need to be. That's what we need in our life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment today. Let me just one more time say this phrase to you. so important. Pay attention to what is taking place. Next week, we're going to look at what's happening in Israel, or I should say with Israel. There's things taking place with the United Nations. There's things taking place with this deal we have with Iran. And you say, well, I think that's just a political thing. Oh, it's way more than just political. And so we're going to talk about that next week. Because if we ever abandon Israel, God help us as a nation. There's lots of things happening in our world. There's cycles and different things taking place with years and calendar dates that we need to know and we need to be aware of. But first and foremost, I just want to encourage you today. Admonish you, instruct you, teach you, whatever, however I can get it across to you. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be alone. Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes tells us, listen, if you're alone when you fall, there is nobody there to pick you up. What that means is this. Listen, we're all going to struggle. We're all going to have difficult times. I've been alone different times in my life. In fact, many times in my life I've been alone when I've struggled, when I've fallen, and it took me a very long time to get back up. I had to find somebody to help me get back up. There's no such thing as a self-made man or self-made woman. You were created for connection. You were created for relationships. So let me pray for you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can I just ask you this question? If you're here this morning. In-